Um, the clock here reads 12.30, so we will begin. Good afternoon. And first, thank, thank you to everyone for participating in this very special U.S. Army Bloggers Media Roundtable. Today, July 13, 2011, we have the honor and privilege of having our Medal of Honor recipient, Sergeant First Class Leroy Arthur Petrie's company leadership and fellow ranger. Sergeant First Class Petrie, despite his own severe wounds and with complete disregard for his own personal safety, consciously and deliberately risked his life by picking up a live army grenade, enemy grenade, excuse me, throwing it away from two of his fellow rangers. As Petrie was throwing the grenade away from his team, which prevented serious injury or death to Higgins and Robinson, it detonated and catastrophically amputated his right hand. Before we begin with introductions, I would like to confirm our participants on the line and in the room with us today. So can we please do a quick roll call? We'll begin with our, our media in the room. I'm Kathleen Carthoys with Army Times. Hi. Sydney Friedberg, learning from veterans in Washingtonian Magazine. And we begin with the folks on the line we have today. You can just state your name and your blog affiliation. This is Dale Kissinger with MilitaryAvenue.com. Brian Jordan, Military.com. The Warrior Transition Command with uh, Staff Sergeant Emily Anderson and Eric Langer. This is Clifford Jones from the NCO Journal. Okay, I think that matches my list. Thank you so much. Um, please note this roundtable is being recorded today, so for that reason, I ask that you please state your name and blog and organization affiliation clearly before you ask your question. Also, if you are not actively participating in the conversation, please keep your phone muted to eliminate any background noise. Today we have with us Sergeant First Class Gerard Steidel, Master Sergeant Reese Teagle, Captain Kyle Packard, and Staff Sergeant Daniel Higgins. They're here today to talk about their relationship with Sergeant First Class Petrie and the mission that led to Sergeant First Class Petrie's nomination. Um, introductions on each one of our participants today. Sergeant First Class Steidel is currently serving as the Assistant Operations Non-Commissioned Officer assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment. He has deployed 12 times in support of the War on Terror with three tours to Iraq and nine tours to Afghanistan. <clears throat> At the time of the May 26, 2008 combat engagement, Sergeant First Class Steidel was a platoon sergeant assigned to Company D, 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment at Joint Base Lewis-McCord. Master Sergeant Reese Teagle, assigned to the 75th Ranger Regiment with duties at the U.S. Army Special Operations Command in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, as the Ranger Operational Requirements Liaison. He leaves this summer to the, for the Sergeant Major Academy at Fort Bliss, Texas. He has deployed nine times in support of combat operations. At the time of the May 26, 2008 combat engagement, Master Sergeant Teagle was the first sergeant of Company D, 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment at Joint Base Luce McCord. Captain Kyle Packard is an infantry officer assigned to the 4th Brigade Combat Team, 101st Airborne Division at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Packard is currently assigned to Fort Benning, Georgia. He has four combat deployments, two to Iraq and two to Afghanistan. He was Sergeant First Class Petrie's platoon leader during the May 28, 26, 2008 combat mission. And Staff Sergeant Daniel Higgins has ended his commitment to the United States Army and is currently a college student in Charleston, South Carolina. He has, had deploy he has deployed six times in support of the war on terror with three tours to Iraq and three tours to Afghanistan. 
At the time of the May 26, 2008 combat engagement, Higgins was a sergeant assigned to Company D, 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment at Joint Base Lewis-McCord. With that being said, and they don't have any opening um, statements today, we will open the floor for any questions. We will begin today with um, our folks in the room from Army Times. I'd like to clarify, you know, when we talk about multiple deployments, uh, are these Ranger deployments the same length as, say, somebody from um, Third ID, for example? No. Are you going for a shorter period of time? No. The, the Ranger deployments are shorter. They're approximately four months. And at any given time, the Ranger regiment has one battalion deployed forward to Afghanistan. I'd love each of the gentlemen here just tell me a little, us a little bit about themselves, you know, where you grew up, where you came from, and uh, what got you uh, into the Army, and uh, whether that was a good idea, seemed like a good idea at the time, or still seems like a good idea. Uh, Sergeant First Class, Jared Steidel. I'm from Lancaster, California, and uh, graduated high school in 1998 and joined the Army uh, a month later. Uh, it's pretty much something I always wanted to do. And um can see myself doing anything else, sir. Understood. So you're planning to stay in for twenty? Yes, sir. More if they have more if they'll keep you? No, just twenty. Exactly. <laughs> That's probably enough. Yeah. Daniel Higgins. Um I grew up in San Luis Obispo, California. Uh, I joined the army uh, a year after graduating from high school and it was the greatest time I've ever had in my life. Loved every second of it. I've, I've been out for about a week now. Oh, yeah. And I already want to get back in. <laughs> uh, Captain Packard, I joined the Army when I was 17 uh, and still in high school. And then uh, the Army's pulled me through college. I've been, it's the only thing I've ever done. I absolutely love it. Plan on staying in as long as the Army will have me. So you are you are prior enlisted? Uh Yes, yeah, for about four years as I went through. I was in the National Guard. I'm from... Yeah, uh, I know that, that program, okay. Uh, I grew up in West Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I'm actually Reese Teagle. Uh, I grew up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I came in the Army in, in 92, shortly after high school, not knowing, uh, even knowing that I wanted to serve my country and all the things that are, you know, implied with that. And uh, basically kept me in the Army is... You know, shortly after coming in in 92, Somalia kicked off, and, uh, you know, I found that that probably wasn't a better organization to be a part of, um, and, and then wanted to see that through. So 19 years later, here I am. Were you in Somalia yourself? or I was. For, 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 were you there during the Black Hawk Down incident? Yes. Personally involved with the relief column or with the guys who were out there being real, being? Uh, yeah, I would. I was out with the initial assault, not with the relief column that came out for us. Uh, I was part of the, the ground assault element that went out in the uh, vehicles, uh, separate from the air assault package that went in that day. Uh, before we move forward with additional questions, do we have others joining us on the line? Uh, yes, this is Tom Saleo with the Unknown Soldiers blog in the USO, and my colleague uh, Joe Lee is here, and also Victoria White, who is our uh, director of new media. Thank you, Tom. Anyone else? I'm sorry, and someone in the room just joined us? Yeah, Louis Martinez, ABC. Thank you. 
we can continue. Um, Clifford Jones, did you have a question? No, I'm good for right now. Thank you. Thank you. Staff Sergeant Anderson from Midcom, did you have a question? Um, yes. Um, I guess the first question would be for um, sort of first class Petrie. Um, could you tell us a little bit about? I'm sorry, ma'am. Um, this roundtable was with um, his teammate, Sergeant oh. Petrie. Staff First class Petrie isn't with us today. Did you have a question for someone else in the room? Sure. Actually, we're with, we're with Medcom, so we're interested in knowing uh, from the soldiers in the room um, the, the value and role of Army medicine in uh, in, re in recovery and, and uh, saving lives on the battlefield, and, and maybe some personal accounts of, uh, of how that has affected them. Um, sir, for that information, I think we can um, chat with you offline. Did you have a question for one of um, his teammates here today? Uh, not at this time, then. Okay, thank you. Dale Kissinger, did you have a question? I do. Um, are any of the participants able to attend the ceremony yesterday, and can you give us um, your, your thoughts about the ceremony when Sergeant Petrie got his uh, Medal of Honor? Uh, this is uh, Sergeant First Class Jared Steidel, sir. Uh, probably the, the best experience of my life was was attending that that uh, that ceremony yesterday. And other than the birth of my child, obviously. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> Good save. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else have any comments on it? This is Mesh Reese Tickle. I, I mean, you know, certainly, yeah. He, you know, uh, you, you work with guys every day, and you get to know them. Um, and so truly, it's it's a unique privilege to be able to uh, see a, a one of your guys get recognized for the heroism um, uh, that he displayed. So, you know, truly uh, a, a, a good day for, you know, uh, Sergeant Petrie and, and being able to recognize him and, and then the organization that uh, he was a part of during that time frame. I'm very interested. How do you guys? When did you first meet uh, Sergeant Petrie? You know, how well have you known him over the years? Um, I've known Sergeant Petrie probably since about 2005. I knew who he was before that. Um, in about 2005 or 2006, uh, we were briefly uh, working in the operations section. This is Sergeant First Class Style again. Um, we were working in the operations section of our uh, unit. Um, at that point, we were just acquaintances. In October of 2007, when Delta Company first stood up, Sergeant Petrie uh, was, was assigned as a weapons squad leader in, in uh, um, my platoon, and that's when I really got to know him. And uh, there's a lot of things that, that I learned about him after that point. I mean, what was your what was his rep since you said you knew you knew of him before you knew him? What was his sort of rep in the Ranger world? And you know, what what was your personal impression of him and how'd you you know how'd you you know get that impression develop as you've you know worked with him over time? Well, he you know, he had he had a great reputation in in the uh in the battalion. Um but at my you know, the impression that I got right from the, 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 the very beginning of when we started up Delta Company is what a what a uh, outgoing and selfless person he is, just you know, 
you never had to to ask him to do anything because he was already ready to do it and uh he he was the guy that that was willing to to stay after work you know after everybody had been released when he didn't need to and uh he he used to come up come upstairs or come into the office with you know sweat coming down his face after uh executing a task you know uh, just you know i was i was extremely impressed with him from from the very beginning of him working what was his job then and your job I, at the time i was the platoon sergeant he was the uh weapon squad leader which uh-huh. is the the senior squad leader in the platoon sir Thank uh, this, awesome. is, uh, this is captain packer here if i could just kind of jump on that as well um, I had the opportunity to be a PL for uh, just almost three years, and by far he was the best squad leader I ever had a chance to serve with. Um, going along with, with uh, what Sergeant Stahl uh, had to say, you know, a lot of times he would come in the office, be the first one in there at, at 06, and he'd want to know what he'd want to get done for the day, and then we wouldn't see him all the rest of the day, and he'd be the last one in the office coming to tell us uh, this laundry list of amazing things he accomplished all day. And his just dedication um, was always extremely impressive to me. Thank you. Brian Jordan from Military.com, did you have a question? Yes, I did. Thank you very much. Um, I've read um, the uh, some of the synopsis of, of what, what transpired that day, and I wonder if uh, any of you fellows could uh, give me a description, a better description of uh, uh, where Sergeant Petrie and these other and these other soldiers were, you read that they took shelter behind a, a chicken coop, and maybe it's because I grew up in the city, and I just assumed those are very fragile and not very big. Um, if you see, if you saw this, what what did it actually look like, and what kind of um, uh, cover would it could it have provided? Uh, this is Daniel Higgins. Um, I was one of the guys with Petrie in that courtyard. We're calling it a chicken coop. There were chickens in it. It was like a, everything's made of this uh, pretty thick mud. It was a, it was a mud hut, probably about two feet thick of walls. So I mean, it did provide good cover. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't little wire baskets or anything. It was it was a that, mud. That's what I had in my mind this wire thing. I couldn't figure out how yeah, you could have gotten yeah. any cover out of that. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, about how how high was it? Uh, it was about. Probably uh, six feet high. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Well, that's that's helpful. Thanks. That's uh, yep. that's been going around in my head figuring how how those guys got any cover at all. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, and you were, as I recall, right there with him. Is that correct? Or right? Uh, yes, sir. He, uh, me, him, and Robinson. Well, him and Robinson went out in the courtyard first, and that's when they got shot. And then uh, I went out there next. And so I, w- I was down by the chicken coop with Robinson and Sergeant Petrie. I mean, if I, I mean, I've talked to some, you know, Ms. Bailey here has uh, helped help me you know, f- figure out, oh, this is Sidney Friedberg talking for the, for the record, uh, you know, figure out a lot about Ranger Ops, and I've talked to some of your, uh, you know, comrades about, you know, normally the idea is to come in with such overwhelming speed and force that you get the high-value target who doesn't have a time to chance to fire a shot. Obviously, that did not happen <laughs> this day. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, if you folks could, especially you, uh, Sergeant, give me sort of the context of the mission that day, and, you know, you only get a Medal of Honor when things go wrong. So how did it start going wrong, and how did people, you know, like, this, like Sergeant Petrie rise to that occasion, which they certainly did? 
we can all probably all speak on this, but I mean, we it was a daylight mission, and when we landed, you know, it, we had to move quite a ways to get to the building that we were going to. So, if they were going to have time to do something, they did, because you know, obviously the helicopters are loud, everybody sees them, and then we had to run a pretty decent distance to get to the house. So, we, we didn't have the speed that we probably wanted getting there. Well, you know, it's, you know certainly it's a uh, national reach takeoff. Certainly it's the cover piece. And you see, you lose some of those advantages that you get when uh, you do a night raid where you've got the cover of darkness and you've got the advantage of some of the technology that we use with our uh, special equipment. Um, so uh, it, although the, you know, the risk is higher, it, does, it just like Dan Higgins is telling you, um, you know, those guys have an opportunity to, especially when there's time, to find better cover, and so a couple of these guys, um, because of the you know type of people they were, understood you know a little bit of how to hide, wh where to be, and the and that's kind of the you know the that's what led to the events that day. You know, um, certainly one guy in a in that brush pile business, and then um, you know the guy that was behind the wall. So it was just a matter of getting to those what we call points of domination and being able to, to control or eliminate that threat. And we'll be talking about the house, the, the compound rather. Is this sort of out by itself in a rural area, or other compounds around, or actually in a you know fairly built up area by Afghanistan? I, I would say that it's you know the compounds being what they are. Um, th there were other compounds locally separated by you know several hundred meters. So and yeah, rural, not urban, but uh, a little bit more built up in a rural aspect in Afghanistan. This Northern Virginia suburbia. <laughs> well, you had this cat packer here. You had a village that was approximately, uh, I would say, maybe 200 meters um, to the west, I believe, yeah. to the west. And then you had our target area, which was about four compounds that were separated by the farm field. Um, and then on initial, after we landed the helicopters, there was a small engagement before we actually entered the target building uh, in itself. So there was that period of time where the enemy, you know, regardless of whether it would have been day or night. They would have been known with, that we were there. And I think uh, one of the di distinctions about this mission that, that made it so unique was, um, like uh, Master Antigua was saying, they, the enemy went to points of domination. But they also went to that point of domination knowing that they were going to die. Mm. There was absolutely no – they weren't leaving. Uh, they were there to um, allow create, uh, opportunity. create an opportunity for the HPT to escape. And uh, they went to those points of domination knowing that they were going to die, and they wanted to take as many American soldiers – as they wanted with them. And, and one thing um, I try to bring up sometimes is that, you know, not only did Sergeant Petrie save the lives of, of Sergeant Higgins, uh, Robinson, and himself, but um, there's no telling how many Rangers that I would have had to commit, Sergeant Stiles can attest to this, to, to have to pull those guys out because if he doesn't do that, obviously he's, he's wounded regardless. Um, who knows how badly wounded these guys are. And now I've got a situation where um, I've got to get these Rangers out. Uh, I've got these enemy that are still not suppressed in the courtyard, and we now have to commit more and more rangers in order because we're not going to, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to leave those guys. We got, we're going to go back in. We're going to take care of the problem. Yeah. So yes, yeah, you know, the they're barricaded, you know. For a better this point. is Sergeant Stidle, and that's a good point that the Captain Packer brought up. You know, um, basically, short shortly after uh, Sergeant Petrie had um, thrown that that grenade back and uh, been wounded, shortly after that, there is another enemy inside that outer courtyard. He was very well hidden and under this huge pile of, I thought it was like branches, it things was, like uh, that. It was, yeah, it was a, a big a pile of uh, firewood. Um, yeah. It was 
Except I couldn't brush. see. I was you, you couldn't oh, yeah. you, you couldn't just look at it and see this guy. And that was the guy that actually engaged uh, Specialist Gathercole. So, you know, had Petrie not done that, then Sergeant Higgins wouldn't have been able to return fire in you know on, on that enemy. And so, who who knows what could have happened, you know. The point is, these guys were not by any means pushovers. In fact, you know, in their own terms, they are, they are you know, the Silver Star and DSC and Medal of Honor soldiers for their side as they look at it. Well, they were ready to barter themselves in their own terms, essentially. And um, this is Captain Packard again. And, you know, whenever you have an enemy like, like that, um, you know, there's going to, something's going to happen. And we kind of knew going in that there was going to be a, a pretty significant fight. We were prepared for that. There was no, um, no illusion that this was going to be just one of those missions where uh, it was quick and uh, nothing was going to happen. If, in fact, the HVQ we were looking for was going to be there, then there was going to be a fight. Um, and that's kind of the mentality we went in um, into the mission. So, uh, you know, we were prepared for that. This is Kathy Kersley's Army Times. How long did the fighting go on after the grenade incident? Uh, Captain Packard, again, it went on for a significant period of time. It was maybe eight, eight, nine hours? Yeah, I mean, in, in total duration. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we got through the physical contact, you know, returning fire in about yeah. four, four and a half hours. And then uh, there was more skirmishes right. as, as the day progressed. Were you focused on just one compound or all four of them? Was your target in? We had two compounds that we had. We Sergeant Steidel led one group and I led the other group. And uh, the plan going in was to simultaneously um, clear both those buildings. And then uh, after the initial contact, um, we started receiving, as the, as the day progressed into night, um, there was more fighters that tried to approach the targeted area. And we had several engagements from the, the uh, in vicinity of the village location. And then there was probably, I would say, I would estimate anywhere from six to eight, I believe, uh, fighters that approached from, make sure I'm getting my crop directions right, but the north. Uh, through the fields, because you know you had the village, you had our targeted area, like I was talking about the four separated buildings, and then you had just vast you know farm area with hot, very tall grass. So there were um, there was enemy that was able to approach us after obviously hearing the the, the gunshots, um, and use the concealment of the of, it was probably waist high grass that, and uh, you know different irrigation um, ditches for the farm fields, uh, and be able to approach to us pretty much undetected. What was your fatigue level like after eight or nine hours of engagement? Well, you know, we were about two months into the deployment at that time, and, and the elevation was pretty pretty high, but we had been conducting operations at that level, and, you know, the guys are in great shape. But uh, I think by the end, yeah. we were pretty, pretty you see, tired. You see, I mean, it's really, more yeah. mental, though, isn't it, than physical in a situation like that? If you're oh, it's both. Yeah, I mean, obviously we weren't thinking about, you know, how physically tired we were or, you know. I mean, by that point, you know, guys were, might have been running low on water, but otherwise we, you know, it was just something that wasn't didn't really affect us because we weren't thinking about it. It was not uncommon to, you know, be out, you know, doing that kind of thing for that period of time. So, you know, obviously more high adventure, uh, more physically, you know, sh you know, straining on, you know, the mental aspect, the physical aspect. But the boys, you know, just like Sharnstado was saying, that they'd, you know, they've been doing this for two and a half months, high physical stamina, um, and, and very capable, you know, both mentally and physically to do what we asked them to do that day. 
What about after uh, Sergeant Patriot was wounded? Was there, uh, did that slow you down at all? Was, you know, I know that there must have been a feeling of this has gotten kind of intense and, and there were other wounded and it's certainly, um, uh, is it Gator Cole? Gator Cole. Was shot. Um, were those incidents compressed into a small time frame and then you had to keep going for hours after that? Um, what was that impact on you uh, mentally? Um, well, uh, from, from my standpoint, you know, obviously Sergeant Petrie being the weapon squad leader, the, the, the senior squad leader there, after he was gone, I would, you know, kind of had to cover down and do what he would normally do. Uh, at some point, the guys uh, went back down to kind of search, you know, the, the buildings and, and everything. And uh, so I ended up taking control of the high ground to kind of overwatch the, uh, the objective area. Um, while I went down there, and honestly, I, I thought he would. I thought the rest, rest of the guys would have been down there for you know a half hour, and it ended up being a few hours. So I was up there the whole time, and yeah, these things were running through my mind, and I'm I'm just wondering what's going on. You know, I, I knew that I knew, I knew that uh, Petrie was was going to make it, but you know, every the, the big question on everyone's mind was how, how Gather Cole was doing. Um, obviously because he was shot in the head, and. Uh, you know that, that that was that was kind of tough, but obviously in that in that situation you you have another task at hand, so it's not something that that'll that'll you know stop you from doing what you need to do. Definitely, yeah, Master Henry Stiegel, this is you know the point of you know the training cycle you know that you do in preparation for the in preparation for the deployment uh, for something like this, and you try to make that training as real as possible so that when you do have those real life, you know, distractors from the mission um, as tragic as they are, such as, you know, Petrie and Gaither Cole and Robinson and, and Higgins getting injured. The boys, you know, they have been trained to, you know, such a degree that they continue to do their job despite those distractions. Um, and that's, you know, largely, you know, contributed to, to the success of the guys that day. You know, I mean, certainly, you know, as we kind of alluded to before, is there was an opportunity for it to be worse. And it was because of that, you know, that level of training, the guys doing what they, you know, trained to do, uh, you know, overcome that stuff. Yeah, with uh, Captain Packard here, within moments of Sergeant Stottle and uh, First Sergeant here getting towards the uh, casualty collection point, uh, we were right back at work because, you know, we still had the enemy behind the chicken coop. Um, I had guys, you know, we, have, you know, we brought more uh, rangers to that building to assist. We still had the enemy combatant behind the chicken coop that we need to take care of, and I, you know, a testament to the heroism of, of the Rangers on the objective. Um, I had more volunteers to do more very brave actions to get that guy, and you know, it's amazing to me. You know, these guys, uh, they just did amazing things the rest of the day. They didn't skip a beat because we still had a fight on our hands, um, and we had a lot, we had more enemy coming. We had you know, uh, fire missions coming in that we had to execute. And uh, no one, no one skipped a beat until I think we got off the helicopter and they realized that we had lost uh, Specialist Gaither Cole. But it's really a testament to the heroism of uh, of the Rangers and, and Delta Company. Mr. Martinez from ABC News, did you have a question in the room with us? Yeah, I understand um, the op tempo for you guys is very high during your deployment. Several hundred operations, I think. How, where does this rank? This operation in particular day? How did it rank on the complexity scale? 
and the HVT that you um, were going after. Can you tell me what uh, what circumstances were of that individual and what happened? Uh, this is Captain Packard. As far as the complexity goes uh, for the mission, it's it's probably the most complex uh, mission that had happened uh, for the Ranger Regiment in quite some time. I know at, at the point that point in time was one of the first uh, daylight raids uh, in recent with, history. In recent history with helicopters, um, that's not done because it is uh, so dangerous because the, because of the signature of the helicopter coming in, um, it makes it extremely dangerous. Um, as far as uh, the HVT goes, um, what we talked about. Okay. Yep. Um, hi, Tracy Bailey with the Public Affairs Office of the 75th Ranger Regiment. Um, the HVT, um, we can't go into too much detail about him, but he did get away that day. We did not get him. Now, you've, you've mentioned several times the Sydney Freeport again uh, that you know it was a, a very unusual for this to be a daylight raid. Was there a factor about the HVT being about to slip away that, or some other t you know, time-sensitive thing that made you decide to go in by daylight, even though you, as you said, you knew this was going to be uh, much more dangerous as a result? I mean, Rex when you get targets of opportunity that are narrow, you know, because you know those kind of HVTs move and, and try to stay mobile. Um, you, you, Weigh that risk of you know, given the opportunity is the value of the target worth going after. So, and the commander and my commander and the, and the uh, task force, you know, task force commander, you know, weighed and valued that and thought that it was worth taking that opportunity to go after him. Is that uh, target still out there today, or has the target been? Again, it's not through. something we can discuss. Hi, this is this is Tom Sawyer with the USO. Would it be okay if I asked a question? Yes. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I uh, first of all thank you all four very much for your service to our country. I wanted to follow up when you were talking about Specialist Gaither Cole. Uh, I thought a very touching moment yesterday was when uh, the Commander in Chief asked his brother, who he was very close with, and his grandma uh, to stand up. Uh, this was somebody, a 21-year-old young man who overcame a lot. Uh, I read that he had spent a lot of time in foster homes. Uh, what did that moment mean uh, to those of you, uh, and, and please, anybody feel free to jump in, but can you talk a little bit about the emotion uh, behind that, uh, particularly as um, Sergeant First Class Petrie has the plaque to, to honor him on his new hand? Uh this is our first class title. Uh, for, for me, it was uh, it, it was extremely moving that he, that he did that, and I really appreciated it that the president um, did that. And uh, you know, um, and I, I think I speak on behalf of, of everybody, you know, from the platoon that knew him, that were in that room. You know, that they're probably to a certain extent, you know, um, probably holding back some tears. Uh, I'll be honest. And uh, this is Daniel Higgins. You know, Gator, we call him Gator. He, he met, meant everything to all of us. We, when you spend as much time together as we all do, like, we were pretty much brothers. And so, you know, losing him hurt us like crazy. I mean, we, we were all. And he was one of the three amigos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was tough on all of us. And 
so being able to see his grandma there and his brother, it, it was awesome. And we still keep in contact with them. And for them to know and have acknowledged what, what Gator did, it, it was awesome. And they, they loved every second of it, and so did we. And this is my show, Reese Tego. I, it's, it's truly important for us to, you know, they're, 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 all of our servicemen and women are national treasures. You know, so when they deploy and they sacrifice, you know, what they do, uh, got to remember how valuable that is. And and those that give that ultimate sacrifice, we have to continue to remember, you know, the value of that sacrifice. Um, and, and it was, I, I think, truly, you know, important that, uh, you know, or significant that the uh, president uh, recognized that and and then. Uh, thank them and and remember we got to always remember those guys and the, and the sacrifice um, that they make so that we can continue to do what we do. Well said. Thank you, Staff Sergeant Higgins. If if I might follow up for a second, uh, you and Private First Class Robinson are alive because of what Sergeant First Class Petrie did. So, as you know. Uh, you take classes in Charleston and, and go about your daily life, um, and then you experience a ceremony like yesterday. What's that like to carry around, uh, knowing, you know, thinking about that moment and thinking about uh, what he did for you and uh, Private First Class Robinson and all the Rangers that day? Well, I mean, me and Robinson were actually talking about that yesterday. I mean, we pretty much feel forever indebted to him and it's that's not going to change there's no really there's not going to be a hell of a lot of opportunities for us to pay him back <laughs> but you know the fact that me and him are alive every time i talk to robinson i think about petrie because i know that robinson wouldn't be here if you know sergeant petrie hadn't done what he did so and you know i like we said before it doesn't surprise us that he did it that's the kind of guy he is, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know too much what to say about it, but he, like, he's an awesome guy, and I keep up with him. I still talk to him all the time, and you know, if there's some way I could pay him back, I wish I could. Uh, it's Sergeant First Class title. Uh, not sorry to cut in. Uh, I, I think it's something that continue. It, it, I, what I've seen, it's continued to pay itself forward. Uh, Sergeant Higgins here, for instance, he moved. He, he went on to become a squad leader himself, and he was an outstanding squad leader. And just the the impact that he made in the the lives of his men uh, below him is going to continue to echo um, throughout the uh, you know the, the platoon and, and the company. And uh, you know whatever his plans are, you know I'd like him to, to come back in the army. But if he doesn't, um, whatever he does, he's going to continue to uh, make impacts in in uh, people's lives. So that, that I, I I think uh, you know what you just keep doing what you're doing and that that's you know you pay it forward. Thank you very much. And this is yeah. Joe Joe Lee. If I could follow up real quick about the uh, the rules of engagement and the H, uh, the high value target there. Was there something withholding uh, an airstrike or uh, why was it necessary to um, maybe capture this uh, high value target? as opposed to uh, destroying the compound? This is Captain Packard here. Uh, rules of engagement really haven't changed. It's still hostile intent, hostile act. And uh, as far as conducting a, uh, 
and you know a strike on a building that's that's way above anybody's pay grade in this in this room right here so um, but hostile intent hostile action is, is the rules of engagement Speaking of, of other things that are usually way above uh, your, your folks' pay grades, what's it like being under constant media siege? You know, in the in the White House, uh, you know, talking to bloggers and uh, other uh, other uh, Weasley press people, uh, which is you know not something that uh, Army folks generally seek out. Oh, Captain Packer, oh, go ahead, man. This is not speaking about any of us, but. We were out and we saw Sergeant Petrie on the news last night and we were all getting real impressed that he's starting to look really comfortable in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so he looks like he's becoming a natural at it. The rest of us don't know what we're doing, though. <laughs> you know, you, when you see, you know, when you recognize Sergeant Petrie and the extraordinary, you know, sacrifice and, and the act that, uh, that uh, he did that day um, and then you know, you kind of expect out of the media and that, uh, you know, out of the the country that they want to know, and you want to know as much about that as you possibly can. So, you know, so from my perspective, it's you know, it's not out of place, and it and it's certainly our responsibility to to uh, project that story and and tell that story so that uh, people see and recognize that type of heroism within our society. That we do have those heroes, and they walk amongst you know amongst us every day. Just normal people, so it's good to get that story out and to remember. Yeah, Captain Packard, um, there's so few people uh, in our country that serve nowadays that any time, especially with these group of guys, uh, it's all about uh, Staff Sergeant or Sergeant First Class Petrie and uh, you know the other Rangers in, in, in Two Delta. Um, any time that they can be recognized, it's 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 worth whatever you know whatever you have to go through in order to make sure that some of the guys like that get the recognition that they deserve and people like Master Sergeant Teagle's talking about understand that heroes walk amongst them because they're never going to say anything you know if, if it wasn't for you guys um, I'm pretty sure telling the story sorry, telling the story um, Sergeant First Class Petrie would be just happy uh, getting the medal and then going back to work because that's what that guy is how often do you see this kind of bravery Kathy Kerfoy's Army Times do you see this kind of bravery very often? Do you see it in in each of you? I, you, you talked you about being well. You know, obviously, to see this kind of bravery, you have to be put in a situation that you know calls for it. But uh, you see the traits that you know that lead to this type of bravery every day with everybody you know you serve with in this organization. Um, and I, I remember when I when I got to Leroy. And I'm looking at him with his wounds, and really, in the casualty collection point, I remember thinking to myself that you know this happened. It's you know it's terrible, but it doesn't surprise me that he did it because of everything I had seen with him for the you know the few months that we had been you know working together, um, and we had done a lot from October. To, to May 26th, up until that point, we we had done a lot and come a long way as as a unit. And uh, you know, there there are some other moving moments you know, even before we we deployed there that you know, some some great things that I've seen. You know, the stand up of Delta Company. Um, it happened in about six weeks. Six weeks of actual training 
before we were certified as a Ranger Rifle Company. And it just the things that, that you know, took place to make that happen it was just amazing. You look at it, all these guys are here, you know, heroes, and it's unique, and um, especially in our organization, because these guys volunteer over and over and over again to make that decision to put themselves in harm's way, knowing that that harm is going to be imminent. Um, so, you know, they're going to, you know, they volunteered for the organization that's very selective and very, you know, very grueling to, to live with it, and then knowing that you're going to deploy um, and do this job that is very important, you know, not only to the, you know, the mission overall, but to their, you know, their fellow comrades left and right of them. Um, so, you know, to, to make that decision, you know, you see that, bra you know, it's bravery in its essence, and, it, and, you know, it's an indication of the heroes that we, you know, we, you know, we send overseas. Since there is this culture of modesty, I should, we should probably ask any of you four around this table have uh, valid decorations, uh, presumably not medals of honor, but uh, valid decorations or Purple Hearts or other other uh, ribbons and entitlements that uh, you haven't mentioned yet? Well, I'd rather just talk about uh, Sergeant <laughs> Petrie. Yeah. What is under that lapel? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm uh, such a skinny guy that this covers everything. <laughs> Well, may, may, maybe Ms. Bailey, you can you can give us their military records if they're not willing to tell us. Actually, you guys should have gotten their bios. Oh, okay. Yeah, and their awards are on their bios. Okay. I do have another question, if I may. Um, uh, Sergeant Petrie has come back and deployed again. What what would you guys say about his comeback? You mean as far as him you know, physically and mentally? Is it oh, what he's, you know, how is he impacting the guys? Which he's, uh, he, he's come back. He's learned to deal with uh, being left-handed now. Um, he has deployed again. Um, whatever your impression is of him coming back from that incident, well, whatever it might be. Anybody that meets Leroy Petrie, He'll come up, he'll extend out his, his prosthetic hand to shake, and about 10 seconds later, you'll forget that he's missing his right hand because something that, you know, he does not let that get in the way of his life. And um, you quickly, you know, it doesn't mean I see a limitation no. to what, you know, how he goes about his daily business. Exactly. You know, so he attacks you know, with the same type of character and the same type of, you know, aggressive, you know, personality that Leroy has. He goes at, you know, his ethic, his job ethic, and it, you know, whether it's pers you know, in his personal life or whether it's in his professional life, you know, with that same type of, you know, mentality. Hey, it's not a limitation because there's nothing you can do about it, so he does everything that he can to, you know, be successful given what he's got. Uh, this is Joe Lee with the USO. Speaking of daily life um, uh, with the prosthetic hand, uh, do any of you guys know uh, the extent of his like uh, retraining on the range? Uh, I know uh, it's got to be a completely different animal uh, firing a pistol and a rifle uh, with a prosthetic, uh, as opposed to you know you got. You, I'm, I'm sure he's retraining. Do any of you, can you, could any of you speak on that? Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. Did we just lose no, everybody? We're fine. Uh, Are you still there, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Okay. Um, 
Go ahead. Okay. This is Master Army Stiegel. Um, Sergeant Petrie, you know, re-enlisted to stay in the Army. He is currently going through, you know, the, those recovery type of uh, processes that are, you know, getting him healthy. So, um, and, and what he's doing right now is serving as that, you know, li liaison for our wounded, wounded warriors within uh, uh, our community. So he is spending less time uh, working toward, you know, the range-specific stuff. Uh, more time so taking care of our guys and, and our you know wounded guys coming back from overseas um, and look to attack that and you know that problem that you're you're addressing in the future thank you you have additional questions does anyone on the line have an additional question Okay, well, I'd like to thank everyone for your great questions and participation. Uh, we would invite you to visit uh, Sergeant First Class Petrie's official microsite, www.army.mil slash of honor slash Petrie, to view the battlescape and account of the battle, including a graphic depiction of the chicken coop. provide <laughs> <laughs> you with any high-resolution photos or images of those graphics to use in your blogs and articles. Just email me and let me know which ones you would like to use, and I'll will provide those to you. We also ask that you include a link to the Army's microsite honoring Petrie in your blog or article. Um, again, we'd just like to thank everyone for participating. I'm Sergeant First Class Fido, Master Sergeant Teagle, Captain Packard, and Staff Sergeant Higgins. And there will be an audio file, audio file and transcript available of this call. Please allow one or two business days for the content to be ready. And again, I will send the email to all the participants once that information is available. Thank you again, and this ends our roundtable. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.